Good morning, everyone. Uh, I am really looking forward to these series of messages that we're going to be going over in the next month. And uh, what we're going to be looking at is just the overall vision of the church and, and, and where I believe God wants to take our, our church. And uh, I know it's, it's just the beginning of August, but uh, we kind of look at our new church calendar usually when it cranks, everything cranks back up in the fall again in September. And, and I'm really excited about uh, what we're going to be gearing for for the fall and what we've been praying for you as individuals. And, and I believe God is, is going to be taking our church into a new season, that God is going to be doing some great things in the life of our church and individually in your life. And we're going to be really challenging you to take that next step with God. And, and, and maybe some of you are kind of in a, a holding pattern uh, in your spiritual walk. And we want to encourage you uh, to have boldness to take that next step in your walk with God. And, and so we're going to be looking at the overall vision of the church over the next couple of weeks. And, and, and one of the things that our desire is, the, the vision statement of our, of our church is, is, is very simple. It's just transforming lives for eternity. And so my heart for you is that you would never stop growing. Now, how, how many you know that, that you, you stop growing vertically after a while, right? You, you, you know that, right? Some of you kind of don't grow this way. You may grow this way. You know the two things that, that never stop growing in your life, uh, in your physical body, is your nose and your ears. Those actually keep and the hair in yours. But anyways, that's a whole other story. Um, those things, I, I, I used to have a, a little uh, joke with uh, my daughter, Lily. Um, when she was four, I used to tell her that she couldn't turn five. So I used to tease her. I said, Lily, um, y- your birthday's coming up, and, and I'm just telling you right now, you can't turn five. And she would say, oh, daddy, you can't stop me from growing up. Now, my daughter is getting ready to turn 13 in a couple weeks. Ay, ay, ay. So... And, and, and since she's been turning 13 and, and turning into a, a beautiful young woman, I've I had this new fascination with guns for some reason. And uh, um, now when I go into Dick's, um, I used to head right for the, the fishing department and look, what, see what, anything's on sale. But now I tend to wander over into the gun part of, of Dick's. And, and I, I, I like looking at the counter. And, 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 and one time a guy came up to me and he's, you know, I'm looking at the guns and everything. He's like, getting ready for hunting season? I said, no, I got a 13-year-old girl. Ah, ah, gotcha. How many, how many dads know what I'm talking about, right? Amen. Okay. So um, but how many know that, that, that we, we can't stop growing? And, and I believe one of the, the dangers, the greatest dangers of our life as a church if, is if we stop growing. And we need to keep growing and we need to keep challenging ourselves to grow. There's an interesting geographical uh, uh, story or, or just feature uh, in Israel, and that's, uh, that's the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. And some of you I know have traveled there and you've seen both, uh, both seas. And what's very interesting about the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea is, is, is they're, they're so different in, 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 in how they produce life and one doesn't produce life. And if you've been there, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And, and I always remember there was a, um, a woman that, that used to be in our church. She's since passed away. She, she was blind because of the, because of the effects of, of diabetes. And I just love Marilyn Clement. Many of you remember Marilyn Clement, just a, a praying woman. I loved her. But one thing I remember about Marilyn Clement, she always had these little one-liners. And I always remember she had this one-liner about the Dead Sea. And she used to tell me, she goes, Pastor, 
I am so old that I remember when the Dead Sea was just sick. I'm like, I mean, she had a thousand of these. I said, Marilyn, you need to write a book because these things are pretty funny. Um, Corny, but funny. Um, If you look at the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee, what's strikingly different about these two uh, bodies of water is you'll know that one takes in and gives out And one just takes in and never gives out. The reason why the Dead Sea is dead is because it's literally dead. Nothing lives in it. It's lifeless. There's no animal life. There may be a little algae. But if if you know anything about the geography of that area, the Dead Sea is very low. and, And it just takes in. It never gives out. Yet the Sea of Galilee is fed by the Jordan River and it flows in and out of it and it flushes the sea, it takes in and it takes out. One is healthy, one is dead, one gives life, one takes. The problem that can occur in every single one of us in our spiritual lives is stagnation. And I've been a Christian for 32 Years And there are times in the season of our life, if we're not careful, we can get very familiar with our Christian walk. And, and if, if you've been a Christian as long as I've been, you know, you, you know the basics of Christianity. You're supposed to have your devotional life. You're supposed to come to church. You're supposed to do all these things. And those things, if we're not careful, can become very mundane and it can become stagnant in our life. And we can go into a season where we begin to just become dry with the Lord. And how do you know that God wants you to be the Sea of Galilee? He wants to pour into your life. How many like when God pours into our life? Can I get an amen? How many like the blessings of God? Are you with me, 830 crowd? Right? We love the blessings of God. But it can't stop there. And in order to have health and spiritual vitality in our life, not only do we take from the Lord and we read his word, and I think for many of us, we may have a a great spiritual habit of reading God's word and maybe even praying and coming to church, but then we wonder why, why do I still feel stagnant in my life? Why why don't see that vibrancy that I, I once knew about the Lord? The problem is you're becoming like the Dead Sea because you're taking in, but you're not giving out. And for a healthy life, God wants us to take in and God wants us to be able to take out. And so if we're going to keep growing in our walk with the Lord, we must be moving, whether it's individually in our lives or in the life of the church. And so that's what we're going to be tackling in the next couple of weeks. So our desire at Living Word is to move people to their final destination, to help people connect with God, connect with others, and connect with serving God so that they have a healthy Christian life that's vibrant, that's growing, that God is doing something great in your life each and every day. How many have ever been in a store and you couldn't find what you're looking for? That's when I go into like um, a, a home improvement like Home Depot or, or, or Lowe's and, and you go in there and like you finally figure out where something is and then they move it, they, they change it around and, and so you're asking somebody and then you ask the person there and, and you got you know, you can't find anybody when you want to find somebody and you're just wandering around and, and it's, it's just, it's, it's crazy. You end up walking around in big circles if you don't know where you're going. Last uh, time I flew through the Atlanta Airport, if you've ever flown through there, I really noticed something about this. I did some research on the Atlanta Airport, and every year, 93 million people go through the Atlanta Airport. 93 million. 
And, and I, what I noticed about when we went on our last mission trip to Panama, I said, how do they get 93 million people through this airport? It's the largest airport in the world. I'm like, how do they move all these massive amounts of people? And I noticed that this airport is organized getting people to their final destination. Now, for most of those 93 million people, Atlanta is not the final destination. Atlanta is just a stopover, getting people home, getting people to their final destination. If you walk around Atlanta Airport, they have huge monitors that tell you where your gates are. They have huge signs telling you where you need to connect to the next terminal. They have underground uh, tram service trains that go underground to quickly move you from point A to point B. They are so well organized and so well oiled that they're moving all these people around to get them to their final destination. Now, can you imagine going into Lowe's and there's absolutely no signs where anything is or going to the Atlanta airport and there's no monitors to tell you where your, uh, where your next flight connection is. It would be absolute mass chaos. And so for us as a church, what we're going to be talking about the next couple of weeks is we want you to understand this is where we are going as a church. This is what we desire for you as individuals to get you to your final destination. And what we desire for you more than anything else is that you would grow in your maturity with Jesus Christ. And we must revolve our church lives and, and our personal lives around what pleases God. So we have to be going in the same direction in order to get to that final destination, which God is calling all those who've put their faith in Jesus Christ. So here's the script. You've got your Bibles, or you can look up at the, up at the screens here. Uh, we're going to be camping out in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 uh, through 40. And I believe this is the core of what we need to do as a church and individuals if we are truly going to please God in our life. If anybody is asked, well, what is God's will in our life? What is God's will in the church? Here it is right here. If we do this, we will stay on course. We will be going in the same direction as the church. How many know a church that's unified and going in the same direction can do great and mighty things? Right? It's the same in your married life. It's the same in your family life. It's the same for the company that you work in. When you're going in the same direction, you have the same goal. You have the same vision. God can do great things through unity. And so let's see what Jesus says about what pleases God and what he is most concerned with. Matthew 22, verse 36 and 40, it says this. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So someone's asking a question. What's the greatest? 613 laws. What's the greatest one? What do you see is the greatest one? And listen to what Jesus says. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, and on these two commands depends all the law and the prophets. Now, why are these words so vital for us to understand? Here's the backdrop of what Jesus is saying here and why Jesus said these words. This comes on the heels 
of some religious teachers arguing about which of God's laws are more important than the others. And so all these so-called religious people or religious leaders would get in these long debates about things that really didn't matter. Then one of these religious teachers turns and asks Jesus what, what, what he thought, trying to really test Jesus or back him into a corner. And what Jesus does here in these verses is Jesus boils down all the commandments and what's most important. And he boils down all these laws into just two. He says, if you're going to concentrate on any law, concentrate on these two. That's it. Because if you're doing these two, then everything else will fall into order. Amen? Listen, 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 church. Listen, there's a lot of things we could be doing as a church, right? And there's a lot of things. We can go this way, Pastor. What if we go this way? What if we do this? And what begins to happen? All these things might be okay, and they might be good. But the problem is we end up going in a million different directions, and we're not going in the same direction as the body of Christ. And that's why most churches are fragmented and confused Because they're trying to do a million different things and they're going nowhere fast in a hurry. And so what Jesus says, he says, listen, if you're going to do anything, do these two things. And if you get these two things down in your individual life and the life of a church, you'll be going in the right direction and you will be pleasing God. I want you to notice what these two commandments that Jesus speaks are all about. They are all about relationships. Isn't that interesting? Your relationship with God. He's not talking about works. He's not even talking about what you do for God. He's talking about first your relationship with God needs to get in order. And then your relationship with others need to be in order. I want you to notice that it's not just about duty that Jesus is talking about or being religious. The religious of the time, those who were trying to come against Jesus, served God out of duty. Out of how it made them look. They were using God for their means. Not wanting a relationship with God. Not being obedient to God. Not really loving their neighbor. They, they served God out of a sense of religious duty on how it made them look. Because it made them look good and pious. But Jesus describes to them. And says about them that they are just whitewashed tombs. White on the outside but dead man's bones on the inside. You see, they really didn't love God. They used God to make themselves look good. So they weren't concerned about others. They weren't doing the law, but they they weren't showing any kind of mercy or grace to one another. They were doing these things. They were doing it out of sense of duty, but they weren't loving one another. They weren't showing grace. They weren't showing mercy. So if we're going to grow in authentic maturity, we have to get these two things Right, And we have to get these two things correct. So the question we need to ask ourselves, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the question you need to ask yourself is, how am I growing in my love for Christ? And how am I growing in my love for others? That is the journey we are going to embark on in our church. That is what we're going to dig deep into in the next couple weeks. We want to show you as a church how we can develop our love for God and how we can develop our love for one another and thus please Jesus in what he commands us to do in his writing. So Jesus teaches us that discipleship is about two things. It's about loving God and loving others. That's it. 
Discipleship and following Jesus revolves all about how we love God and how we love each other. So let me define what discipleship is all about. Discipleship is all about fellowship. That's a word I just made up, okay? It's, it's fellowship. So what, what do I mean by that? A disciple is one who follows and spreads the teaching of another. It's more than just being a student or a learner. It's about following. It's about obedience. Whether you believe it or not, everyone is a disciple of something or someone, whether it's a hobby or culture or your job or your sports. Everybody follows something. But the key components of a follower of Jesus Christ are these things. I want you to listen closely because this is what comprises of a true disciple of Jesus Christ. It's someone who has confessed him as Lord and Savior and believes in him by faith. A follower of Jesus Christ believes that Jesus is God and that he's the only way to the Father. A follower of Christ believes Jesus is perfect in every way and is the only one who could forgive us of our sins. A follower of Christ has repented of their sins and turned to Christ by faith for their salvation. A follower of Christ obeys the teachings of Jesus. They have a love for God's word. A follower of Christ will produce good fruit. A follower doesn't look to produce good fruit in themselves. They abide in Christ and the result of their obedience is good fruit. A follower of Christ is filled with the Holy Spirit and the result is a changed heart which translates into the way they conduct themselves. A follower of Christ is a servant and looks for ways to serve Christ and others. A follower of Christ has a desire to share the message of Jesus Christ and the transformation that has happened in their life. So the question we need to ask ourselves as a church is how are we connecting people to God so that they can love him? And how are we connecting people to one another so that they can serve each other? And I love these two quotes about discipleship from the book, Simple Church. And it says this, discipleship is not about information. It's about transformation. See, it, listen, it's, it's not about how smart you are. In the Bible, it's not about how much you attend church, even though we should be attending church and fellowshipping with one another. It's not how long you read your Bible or how many uh, uh, memory verses that you have memorized. All those things are great and fine. See, discipleship is not so much about information. How many know that knowledge can puff us up? It's about transformation. Discipleship is about Christ changing your life each and every day so that we become more like him. You see, the end result of discipleship is not knowledge, but it's obedience. God, am I obeying you more today than I was two weeks ago? God, am I listening to your voice? Am I allowing you to change my heart more today than than a year ago or two years ago? And if there's something that has stagnated in our life, there's not something wrong with our knowledge. Because how many know, listen, listen, Christians in America have a ton of knowledge, right? You can, you, you can ask people, do they believe in God? And what you, and a lot of people will tell you that. But the problem that I see is there's not a lot of transformation that's happening in people's life. There's a disconnect between here and the heart. And that's why I believe Jesus says, unless you love the Lord your God, unless you love him with, with all your heart, mind, and soul, 
Unless you love your neighbor as yourself, what begins to happen is we have a lot of knowledge about God, but there's not a lot of transformation that happens in God. And that's my concern for you, for my life and for your life and for the life of our church. The job of the church is not to produce more Christians in name only, but followers of Jesus Christ who have laid their lives down for him. That was a good spot for an amen, but that's okay. I'll give you that one. So this is our desire for you. Our desire for you is that you would constantly be growing, that you will consistently be growing. We want to make it easy to connect people, give people connecting points for their growth in the Lord. And as a church, we want to be on the same page. So this, let me just give you a little highlight of what we're going to be doing this fall. This is a little, just a a, a free preview of what we're going to be doing in the fall, winter, and spring. We're going to be doing a 33-week series that we're going to go through the whole Bible on Sunday morning. I didn't hear any amens there, but that's okay. You're going to be there, all right? And this is what we're going to do. I'm going to challenge you, okay? I'm going to, it's because some of you here, you're like, Pastor, I got to be honest with you. I've never, I tried reading through the Old Testament, but I just gave up. Once I got into Leviticus, it just, my brain just became numb and I just couldn't get through it anymore. And so I kind of gave up and maybe some of you have read bits and pieces of the Old Testament. And the problem is you're you're not sure on how the Old Testament is connected with the New Testament. So what you end up doing is saying, well, I'll just read the New Testament because I really don't understand this. What we are going to do is we're going to do like an Old Testament survey, kind of a flyover and a New Testament survey over the whole Bible. And we're going to connect all those points for you on how the Old Testament can be connected and is connected to the New Testament and how the person of of the whole Bible that, that the whole Old Testament is pointing to is the person of Jesus Christ. And so when you read the Old Testament, hopefully my prayer for you after these 33 weeks is after you read it, you're going to say, aha, now I understand. And let me just say, as I've been studying this, I've been learning some things that have been just blowing my mind as I've been going and doing these studies throughout the Old Testament. So we're going to take major stories in the Old Testament and we're going to connect them because every story is not a story within itself. It's not independent of itself. In fact, it's a story that has an overarching story that eventually points to the person and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So here's my prayer for you. We're going to encourage you. There's a, a, a great book I want you to get. It's called The Story. And basically the story is it's just the Bible, but it doesn't have chapter and verses. It's, it, you read it like a story, and it's just the Bible. And I'm going to encourage you to read it. And so when you read through that, parents, I'm, we're going to encourage you to get the Jesus Story Bible that you can read to your kids. In fact, the Jesus Story Bible is so good, I'm reading it because it's just so good for adults. So you adults may be like, I'm reading this for myself because it's so good. Forget the kids. No, I want you to read it to your kids. So what we're going to do is as a church, I'm going to encourage you to, to go along with us so that what happens when we get through this whole series, you will go back and say, you know what? I'm going to tackle this myself. I'm going to read through the whole Bible. And my prayer for you as a follower of Jesus Christ is that everyone that goes to this series would go back and read through the whole Bible. Some of you think I've done that. Praise God for you that have read through the whole Bible. Uh, I believe you're going to learn a lot of new things as we go through this, this study. But for some of you that have never d- have done it, I'm gonna, I want to challenge you to do this for the first time in your life. And I believe God's going to bless you because of it so that we can know 
God's plan and God's will for mankind. And we have the knowledge that's going to be a foundational part of our life that's going to help us serve God and serve each other with greater passion in our lives. Amen? So that's just a, a preview of what's coming up. And uh, I've been having fun writing those uh, messages. So, so here are three connecting points that we're going to dive into over the next month. And, and, and remember, the, the, the vision of our church is transforming lives for eternity. So our passion is to connect people to God, connect people with each other, love God, love others, and then connect people to ministry through serving. Because when Christ has transformed our lives, how many know that Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life for a ransom for many. And when Christ has transformed our hearts, the outflow of that is, Jesus, I want to serve you now. And so how can I serve you? And God has gifted each and every one of you with special gifts and talents to build up his kingdom that Christ might be glorified. Not me, but Christ can be glorified. So connecting people with God is how we love God. And we're going to, we're going to we're going to put a lot of meat on these bones over the next couple of weeks. Connecting people with others is how we love our neighbor. And so how do we love each other? How is that seen? What does that practically look like? And then the third step is connecting people to ministry. And this is how we serve God. Now, I believe with all my heart, as we've been praying about this for the last year, is I believe this is the recipe for a healthy life and a healthy church. And my desire is your pastor. I'll be uh, your pastor. Uh, uh, it's going to be my 15th year anniversary this December. 15 years at Living Word. I love it. I'm so glad to be here and serving you as your pastor. Here is one of the core values that I believe we have to have as a church and a core value that I've made in my life over the last couple of years. And, and when I look back over the, you know, 25 years that I've been in full-time ministry. I know it doesn't look like because I'm only 39, but over the, you know, the last um, you know, 25 years of, of serving God in full-time ministry, one of the things that I've realized that's so important, the older I get, actually I'm 48, I'm pushing 50. I've been really thinking about this over the last couple of years. How many know the older you get, the more you start thinking about your health? Can, can I get an amen from all the old people, right? Okay. You, you start thinking about your, right? When y'all get together... When y'all get together, right? When you're my age, what do you guys talk about? You talk about your health, right? And, and so that's what happens when you get older. Oh, pray for me. Okay. So here's something I've been thinking about as I'm pushing uh, 50. And it's about my health. The, the, you know, and, there, and how many you know, the, those of you that raise children or the older you get, there's this stress that you have. And for me personally, it's, it's the stress of passing your church, having a family. Like, how many you know it can get overwhelming? And, 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 and I thought about this. If I'm not healthy physically, if I'm not healthy, I can't lead my family correctly and I can't lead you correctly. And there is a, a statistic that just bothered me. It, it just literally bothered me. As a pastor, and this statistic said this, and it just caused me great concern. It said 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every single month. 1,500. And, and, and I wanted to know the, the cause of, of, of that. A lot of it is because of stress or immorality or some of the major issues. And I began to think to myself, I, 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 in my prayer time with the Lord, I said, God, I don't want to end up like that. I just don't want to end up like that. So I really started looking at my health and everything about my life. And, 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 and one thing that, that kept coming to me is, is, 
is I need to simplify my life. And, and some of you here, listen, 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 as a church. Don't get me wrong. I love church, 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 coming to church. But how many know sometimes we can be doing so much at church, right, that we can lose sight of our own personal lives? And what begins to happen, if we're not careful, we can hide behind the skirt of ministry and serving and not looking at our own personal life. God, what are you saying to me? Serving's fine and we should be serving. That's why I believe we need to love God, we need to love others, and we need to be serving. We need to be doing all three of those things. But what happens in our life that gets out of kilter? Right? We may be coming to church and we may be loving God, but then we're not loving others somewhere. Or, or we may be coming to church, we're not serving. Or we may be serving and we're not coming to church or whatever. They, so there's some disconnect in our life that can easily cause us to become unhealthy. And I began to look at my life and, I, and my health. And one thing that kept coming to me is I need to simplify my life. And that I had to come to the realization as your pastor is I can't do everything. I can't. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I started this church, when I came here, it was 120 people. The first Sunday I came here, it was 120 people. I remember 120 people. And I was the only person on staff. Thank God for Pastor Mike and Pastor Jim. We've got great staff people and Catherine. I mean, thank you. I just want you to realize what a great staff we have at this church. Thank God for them. Because without them, I would have been gone a long time ago. Listen. I could handle it maybe at 120 people, right? All the visits and so on and so forth. But I realized as the church grew and as my family grew, I couldn't do everything. And I had to realize that to myself. And so the the first thing I had to do, and maybe some of you here today, the first thing you need to do is give yourself some grace for not being able to do everything. And I had to give myself some grace not being able to minister to everybody at the church. With a church of four to 500 people, I cannot be everywhere all the time. And I had a lot of guilt over that. And I want to thank you as a church for being very patient with me and, and, and giving me the latitude and the freedom to be able to minister and to have my family come first in my life. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I don't want to be that that statistic of those 1,500 pastors that leave the ministry. And I believe the reason is, yes, some of it's immorality, but a lot of it's stress, trying to do everything for everyone. And then they forget about their own lives and their own families. And eventually that catches up to you. How many know how true that can be? And so my family and my marriage has to come first. My marriage is the center of my family, not my kids. My marriage to Kathleen is what's centered I love my kids dearly, but they are not the center of my marriage or our family. So listen to me, people. If, 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 if we're out of kilter in our lives, it's going to come out somewhere down the road. And so as I began to look at it my own personal life, I come to realize that, you know, if my marriage isn't healthy, then guess what? I'm not healthy. If I don't get away with Kathleen, if I don't spend time with her, if I don't take time with my family, it's going to catch up to me. That's why just this year I started taking Lily out to lunch. Being able to support my boys in the things that they do, your prayers mean so much to me. For me, some of you may see me running around our, 
or it's more like a light jog than actually a run, but some of you may see me running. I do that because I know that my health is important and in my physical health, because I know if I'm not healthy physically, it's going to catch up to me later. It's going to catch up to my spirit, my spiritual life. You see, it's easy for me to allow my life to be overwhelmed and I can neglect my family and my marriage, but I have to be proactive and guard my heart consistently. See, as individuals, if we are not proactive in our growth, if we are not proactive in our growth as a church and what is important and what is healthy, we will go off kilter. And so what we need is we need a plan. We need a process for our individual lives and as a church to make sure that we don't get off kilter and so that our lives don't become unhealthy. And I believe this, this is one of the core values. I believe this is one of the core values of our church for individuals and for the life of our church. And this is the one thing that I want to do when I look back over all my years of ministry and I retire from ministry. I want to look back. I don't care about the numbers or how many people came to our church. That's not the thing that's going to, that's not the thing that's going to get me excited. What's going to get me excited is this. God, was my life healthy spiritually, physically, emotionally? Did I give to my family? Did I give to my wife? Was that right? And then I want to look back over the life of, of, of the church and say, God, did we have a healthy church? Did we focus on what you really want us to? There's a lot of things that we can focus on, but did we focus on what you wanted us to focus on? Did we focus on loving you and really loving others? Because if we did those two things, God, then nothing else matters to me. And I believe those are two components that I love about this church, is that when you walk into this church, you do feel the love of God. You do. I love that about this church. And so we want to continue in that vein. We want to continue walking with, with that vision. And, 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 and I believe, that, you know, if our lives aren't healthy, it, it just, it's going to come out in one way or another. And so I want to see health in our church. I want this to be our core value. I want us to continue to, to grow in this. And so these, are, I believe, are the three things that will keep us on track. It's loving God, loving others and serving one another. And so my, my heart's desire for you is that if, if you miss any of the weeks, please listen to it online. You can listen to it online or get the CD because I don't want anyone to miss these messages. And so what we're going to do is over the next three weeks, we are going to dig into what does it mean to love God and how's that going to look in our church and how's that going to look in your individual lives. And then we're going to look at how do we love others? How does that practically look? in the life of the church and in my life, and then serving. How does that practically look? We're going to have testimonies from people that God has been working through their lives in those areas. And so we're going to, we're, we're going to put feet to this, and we're going, to, we're going to look at it practically, and we're going to help you. If some of you are, have gotten stagnated in your walk, we're going to help you to make that connecting point, to take that next step, because if our church isn't moving, we're going to turn into the Dead Sea. I don't want to be the Dead Sea. I want to be the Sea of Galilee that God pours in and then God flows through us, that we pour out to others, that we don't become unhealthy in our individual lives or in the life of the church. And I believe a church that's going in the same direction with the same vision of transforming lives for eternity, that same vision, same direction, God's going to do great and wonderful things individually and in the life of our church so that we continually please him and what he desires for living word right? For our church, not the church down the street, not the church in another 
part of the state or whatever. But what is God doing in Living Word in Ontario, in Ontario, New York? What is he doing here? That's my prayer. I want to do what God's desire for our church, that we please his word, that we honor him, and that we obey what he desires for us as the body of Christ. Amen. So be in prayer for that. Um, be in prayer for what God is going to do in your heart and how he wants you to take that next step with him. And so be in prayer for that. And I believe God is just going to do some great things individually in your life. And he's going to challenge you, which I'm excited about. And I believe God's going to do some great things through our body as we continue to reach out to this community with the love of Jesus Christ. So as we take communion today, as we come to the Lord's table today, um, I think this is a great way to start this series is to prepare our hearts before the Lord. Paul said whenever we come before this Lord's table that we're to examine our hearts. And maybe there's something within your heart that you know, God, I know that there's something that you need to do within my heart. Maybe your walk with God has become stagnant. You know, even David prayed, God, renew in me the joy of your salvation. Renew in me again, God, that joy. I've, I've lost that joy in serving you. Um, I've, lo- I've, I've lost that joy in reading your word and, and getting alone with you. I, I've kind of lost that. Rela- I, I'm, I'm going through the motions a little bit, God, and, and, and it's just dull and it's mundane. I've, I've kind of lost that passion for you. Coming before the Lord's table is a great way to renew that passion, to renew your commitment to Jesus Christ, to remember what he did for you, that he never wants us to forget that it was his body that was given to us, that it was through his blood that our sins are forgiven and cleansed. And this is a great reminder for all of us here individually to allow God to do what he needs to do in our hearts and our lives. So I want us to pray. Let me say this. Communion is open to all of you who uh, have come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And by all means, take, take with the family of God. Um, and uh, if you've not come, to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as we pray. You can pray. And it says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can pray that with us and allow God to transform your heart and your life through the power of Jesus' name. And you, by all means, can take communion with us. And then what we'll do is the ushers will serve you. The worship team will lead us in worship. And then um, uh, we'll take communion together at the end, together as the family of God. So let's pray and ask God just to Touch our hearts today as we prepare our hearts for communion. So let's bow our hearts today. Lord, we come before you and we need you today. Jesus, I pray today that you would renew us. That you would give us a new passion for you. That God, sometimes even in taking communion or Bible reading or church going, we can become stagnant and mundane and callous to what it really means. God, I pray that you would grip our hearts again. That you would renew, just as David prayed, the joy of our salvation again. And what it means to serve you and what it means to love you. Lord, I pray that forgiveness would flow. Maybe there's unforgiveness in our heart that has, has impeded you to speaking to us. Because, Lord, our hearts have grown cold and callous or even hard, God. Lord, I thank you that there's forgiveness in Jesus' name. I thank you that you can break through that callousness. And that, God, you can renew us anew and afresh. So, Lord, as we come before your table today, we recognize what Christ has done for us. 
It's not about what we've done. It's about what Christ has done for us that we could never do for ourselves. Jesus, you literally died a physical death. You became our our substitute. You became our sin offering. You bore the weight of the sins of the world on your shoulder. You who were perfect, you who were perfect, became our substitute to please a holy God. And through our faith in you, we can now find forgiveness of our sin and be made right with God. And the judgment of God no longer is before us or on us, God, because that judgment was poured out upon his son 2,000 years ago. And so, Lord, I pray that your forgiveness would flow here this morning. That Jesus, your grace would flow here this morning. And that you would renew a right spirit within each and every one of us. I pray that you would prepare our church, God, for this next year. That you would prepare us, Lord. That, God, you would show us exactly where you're taking us. That we would grow individually and as a church. Lord, what's at stake here are souls. What's at stake here are lives that desperately need to hear what Jesus Christ has done for them. And the more we're prepared and our church is prepared, the more effective we will be at reaching people with your message. And that's what we desire to do as your body. So prepare us and equip us and challenge us, God, we pray. We thank you for this time. Just prepare our hearts now as we receive these emblems. In Jesus' precious name, we ask these things.